Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Functionality is the measure of how well a design works. And that would involve a number of things. Is it usable? Does it accomplish the purpose? Can it be repeated? Those kinds of things measure what we would call functionality. The greatest organization that God ever made was the beginning of the home in the Garden of Eden. It's the greatest functioning design that God ever made. In fact, it is so great that he used the home to discuss the church in Ephesians chapter 5. So the greatest design of God as an organization, as a group, is the home. And we should make sure that we have a functioning home. But sometimes function becomes dysfunction. For a few minutes, let's think about that. I want you to look at the text of Ephesians chapter 6. And there we're going to see the function of the Christian home. I want you to notice, number one, that the whole text of verses 1 to 4 says that the Christian home is functional because it is the first look, the first introduction, the first opportunity we have as humans to make relationships, the home. And that home then, and the way that it works, whether it is functional or not, will decide, am I able outside of my home to have working relationships? And I learn about the concept of relationships in the home. And so all of these things that refer to the functionality of a home impact and even determine the kinds of relationships I'm going to have in my life. Notice what a Christian home teaches. Notice what a functioning Christian home will do. Number one... It will teach you what it means to be submissive. The entirety of the Christian home is about learning to submit. It's about two who come together as husband and wife, learning to submit to each other, each in their own special ways. And when children come into that relationship, children learn what it means to submit. 
And in submission, those parents learn what it means to submit to a life of having children. You've thought about that? The minute you have children, your life changes. And now you're submitting to this new life, this new form of life that you've decided to have. And therefore, now that's another way of submitting. The text says, obey And the text says honor. We learn about submission in a Christian home. Number two, a Christian home teaches morality. For this is right. It is the truth that the greatest, at least in my opinion, the greatest evidence for the existence of God is the existence of morality. Morality does not exist in the animal world. And therefore, if we come from the animal world through some kind of evolutionary process, how did morality get here? It just doesn't exist there. But it's in the home that we learn what is right and what is wrong. And a Christian home will teach morality. A Christian home will say, this is what is right. The text continues, honor your father and mother. I have a job when I'm in a home. I have something that I'm supposed to do. There is this that comes first. I've often asked, or been told and heard and passed it on, what's the greatest gift that that parents can give to a child? The greatest gift that parents give to a child is that mom and dad love each other first. There is security there. And so the priority should be, you need to honor your mother and father because they are number one in that family under God. And when we are able to create that time, that place of security, we are able to say, you're going to be okay. And we learn these great lessons in our Christian homes about priorities. That it may be well with you. The word there used, little bitty word, well, is actually a word that means that you may prosper. In a Christian home, we learn about prosperity. Sure, there ought to be some teaching about how to manage your money. There ought to be some teaching about how to spend and do and buy and sell 
But real prosperity comes in learning how to live and how to be a person as a Christian in the sight of God who does what is right. You want to learn about prosperity? You learn it in a Christian home. People who don't prosper often are people who have failed to have parents who have taught them what it means to be really prosperous in this world. We learn about responsibility. Fathers, don't you provoke your children, but you bring them up. In those Christian homes, we learn responsibility because we each have jobs to do. We each have things that are ours. They are things that must take place. And I learn responsibility in a Christian home. Children who grow up with no expectations are children that we can expect to have problems in life. In a Christian home, a Christian home functions when we teach discipline. When we teach discipline. Bring them up in the training of the Lord. They need to be disciplined the home is a place of discipline. It's not a place of chaos. It doesn't mean there are not chaotic times. It means what we are teaching and what we are training is to be a disciplined person. We learn about what it means to be in control of our lives in a Christian home. A Christian home functions. It's functional when it teaches how to reason properly. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That word is a word that means teaching somebody how to think, how to reason and how to understand. I am a person all the time when I've been working with high school students, with college students. It doesn't matter who I'm working with, adults. I would much rather help somebody get to an answer leading them along than merely to say, here is the answer. I think it's important for us to know how to think, how to reason, how to get to a place that we want to be. Not just getting there, not just arriving there, but how did I get there? And this word admonition is about a home teaching how to think. And finally, a Christian home is functional when it teaches spirituality. Is your home, is our home, spiritual? 
When you think back in the years of growing up, in the years of raising children, do you have strong spiritual memories and images in your mind? If you do, it is likely that you have had a better life. Training children and being in a home that is guided by spiritual principles and that everybody in the home knows that we're trying to function under God in a spiritual way creates people who leave that home, form their own homes, and those homes also become functional. A Christian home is functional. God designed it. And in these ways, these things in this text, these are some principles that show how a Christian home is functional. But number two, sometimes Christian homes even become dysfunctional. Sometimes things don't work. Sometimes they don't work for just a little while. Sometimes, unfortunately, what comes out doesn't do what is good. It doesn't mean that we failed. But there are some thoughts that we need to have that sometimes a Christian home can become dysfunctional. And how am I going to know? How can I judge my own home? How can we decide this is dysfunctional? There's a series of stories in 1 Samuel as that book opens that are pretty powerful on this very topic. In the first two chapters, we learn about Elkanah and Hannah Hannah wanted a child so desperately. Elkanah had two wives and had children by the other one. And on this particular feast day, Hannah was there at the temple. And as she prayed, the Bible says that she was not making a sound. And Eli the priest saw her and saw her mouth moving but didn't hear anything. And the text says he thought maybe she was drunk. And she explained to him that she was praying, desperately wanting a child. And Eli said, may God do according to your desire. Her statement was, God, if you will give me a child, I'll give him to you. The greatest thing parents can ever do when they have a child, is to say, we're going to give our child to the Lord. But Hannah meant it physically. Because when he became of age, weaned from her, she took him to the temple to live. And he was raised there with the priest Eli. 
there's a home that functioned well and put their child in a great situation. But Eli the priest, his home was dysfunctional. In chapter 2, verse 12, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. <laughs> you know why preachers' kids are so bad sometimes? Because they hang out with the elders' kids. That's what I say anyway. <laughs> How in the world could the priest's kids be so bad? How is it that his children did not know the Lord? They knew the facts. In fact, they were serving themselves as priests. And they were going to the temple. They were offering sacrifices. They were taking things from the people and offering sacrifices for them. They were doing the job of priesthood. But they were not living the life of priesthood because they didn't know the Lord. In fact, they were stealing from the people. They were abusing the sacrificial system. Why? They didn't know the Lord. They had a whole bunch of facts. A lot of external understanding of God, but no internal acceptance. A lot of head. No heart. If we are not teaching our children to know the Lord. If they don't understand head and heart, then we are in the midst of creating a dysfunctional home. Eli's children lived in a dysfunctional home because he didn't teach them to know the Lord. Number two, look at verse 22. Eli was very old. He heard everything his sons did to all Israel, how they lay with women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Why do you do these things? I hear these evil things from all the people. Look at verse, at the end of that text, verse 25. Here's why. They did not heed the voice of their father. Not only did they not know the Lord, they did not learn to respect their father. They didn't learn in that home what it means to be respectful. I'm pretty certain that you, like I, have had this happen in a public place. You're shopping somewhere, and there's a family there. And there's a problem with a child. And in trying to deal with that situation, the child acts so disrespectfully to the mother or the dad. And in that situation, I'm just waiting, waiting for something to happen. 
you got to fix this right now in public. If they'll do that in public, what are they doing in private? And I'm around on the other aisle just waiting. I think I sort of want to hear some screaming when the whooping starts. That's what I think I'm waiting on. But you know what I'm talking about. You have seen situations in public where the children are so disrespectful. And I guarantee you, at home it's even worse. His sons did not respect him at all. Didn't care about him at all. And we know their hearts because the text continues to say... The Lord desired to kill them. Even God had enough of their disrespect. Just like me standing in the other aisle, God was standing there watching that disrespect. The home was dysfunctional because they did not respect their father. In chapter 3, God told Samuel what's going to be happening. What's going to be happening to Eli and his family because of their dysfunctionality. Look at verse 13. I'll judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. They didn't learn to be disciplined. It was a dysfunctional home because they didn't learn to be disciplined. I don't know how Eli operated. Did he have the attitude that says, oh, they're going to grow out of it. It'll be okay. When they get older, they'll mature and everything will be fine. Do we not restrain the children because he didn't want to have confrontation in the moment? Could he not just handle that dealing with it? I don't know. But I know they grew up as undisciplined people. We've all known, said it before. Children need discipline. Well, we all need discipline. But we learn discipline at home. But not only do children need discipline, they don't even know that they want discipline. They don't know it. They don't know, but inside of them, when they are showing disrespect and when they are having problems and creating chaos in a home, inside of them, without them even acknowledging, they're thinking, oh, I sure wish mom and dad would stop this. Of course, hard to believe, isn't it? But it's true. Because children need to be secure. How many times has your child gotten up in the middle of the night scared? I read a story of a father whose son 
was crying out in the night, Dad, I need you. And he happened to be a preacher. It was his turn, he thought, maybe to teach this son a lesson. And he said, Son, you know that God in heaven is there to take care of you, and it'll be okay. And his son yelled back. He said, I know, Dad, but right now I want somebody with skin. <laughs> I get that. Discipline. Kids want security. And security comes when parents set boundaries and when children push boundaries that do not move. Now that's security. But every time the boundary moves, they're not secure because they don't know where they can roam. Eli raised undisciplined children. Maybe the most incredible thing in this whole story is in chapter 8. When Samuel's own family turned out to be just like Eli's. He had learned properly. He had seen up close and personal how a dysfunctional family happens. And yet he had one. So what do we do? Because sometimes even a functioning Christian home can somehow become dysfunctional. What do we do? Maybe it's not so much that the home was dysfunctional, but that those in the home turned out to be dysfunctional people by their own choice. What do we do? When things don't turn out the way we want in our families, between husbands and wives, between parents and children, between grandparents and grandchildren, between extended families, and we're having problems in families, what do we do? Well, the first thing we do not do is rethink functionality. The world does that. Well, this isn't working. Let's change it. Our ideas aren't working. Let's change them. God's ideas work. We don't need to rethink what he says is functional. And we don't need to think that he is out of touch. What God said back then is just out of touch in our world. Let's rethink it. Let's start over. Let's reimagine how to be functional. No. Let's just stick with what God says about functionality. Let's support and encourage and demand Christian homes because they work. But finally, here's something else we don't do. 
when function becomes dysfunction. We don't normalize the dysfunctional. Brandon mentioned this morning, made a statement that I, another statement that I fully agree with. I don't, I'm glad that I'm not raising children right now. And I'm sad that my children are. I never had a child. We never had a child come home and talk about a boy or a girl at school who wanted to be a girl or a boy instead. We never had a situation where one of our children said, guess what? My friend who's a boy wants to be called by a girl's name and he acts like a girl all day long. I never had to deal with that. Boy, that's tough. I never had to deal with the openness of homosexuality with my children. Oh, it was out there. But not like it is now. I remember the first time I ever heard of divorce. When my uncle's wife left him. And you talk about a hushed, under the table, don't talk about it. It's embarrassing. And now, it's the cure to a problem. Just go get a divorce. This is a very difficult time. We're living in a society that is speeding toward dysfunction. I really hope and pray that the wheels of that train are going to fall off soon. I hope and pray that this is merely a fad and eventually people begin to wake up. But what we do not do when we encounter dysfunctional is to normalize the dysfunction. It's not okay. All of those things that I mentioned, they're not right and they're not okay. And we need to find a way to stand firm against the concept while supporting and offering help to the people who are in them. And that's tough. So let's don't rethink what's functional because God's got it all figured out. And let's don't normalize what has become dysfunctional. 
just because we don't want to fight anymore and we're tired and we think that somehow by normalizing it, it's like God because God loves everybody. No, he loves them, but he doesn't love the action. Let's continue to be people who support Christian homes. The reason that Brandon was here this weekend is because our shepherds want to make sure that our homes have as much support as we can give. And is there a more critical time than right now to offer extra care and support to our Christian homes. I think that's why he was here. I think that's what we want, is to help our homes. And the best way to do it is to keep them involved with the work of the Lord in the family of the church. Because sometimes the family of the church is the only family home that people have. And at other times, it's the support that all families need. The functionality of the plan of God is simple. If I submit to him, he forgives and takes me back. Is there something you need? Is there something you want? Can we help you tonight? We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.